Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teaching through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. All right, so here we are. We're at Nazaro's, Nazaro's, my favorite little old-school Italian place in St. Simon's Island now that I've been run out of here. I like to come back here and sneak into the corner here, and, and it's RSM week, and um, we've got Ivan Ramirez with us from Texas Tech, special guest tonight. We've got Emilio Gonzalez making another appearance. We've got the good Dr. Greg Carton. Got Kevin Kirk, my good buddy BDR, Rick Lamb, and student, and Jackson Court joining us. He's allowed to join us tonight. We got a permission slip signed by down the street. And uh, <laughs> anyways, we were talking before we went on, on recording. I'm using Kevin's phone because I don't have enough battery, but basically we were talking about balls and how the people that succeed – at a high level, have to face a lot of adversity coming up. And we were talking about a player that had had a bunch of success, a short spurt, and not doing so well today, but, you know, did he have adversity coming up? And we talked about how he didn't. And so, Doc, I'm going to turn it over to you and Kevin to go a little bit, and then I'll chime in. But let's talk a little bit about adversity, and then I want to also get some of the players' perspectives on that because I think that'd be great if we talk about balls. So, Doc, you want to you get started? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I think when, especially in golf, when you talk about adversity, I think uh, you could peel back one more layer and talk about expectation. And I talk to kids all the time and say, if you like to win, golf is not the right sport. And I think the expectation of kids who have had some success growing up is that this is how it's going to be all the time. You should talk to some of my parents. <laughs> and then the second, they don't win. And, and winning is, there's a lot of different definitions of winning, I guess, in golf. And it's not just winning tournaments, but succeeding. The expectation skew is so often, we were talking about this before, that that can crush a lot of people who don't really understand how hard the game is and when they bump up against a result that they assumed or doesn't fit with what they expected they face some adversity and how are they going to respond and yeah, so I, I think that's exactly right doc i mean i think looking at if you look at the developmental models you know that are presented by the olympic committees around the world east von bali kind of being the father of the long-term athlete development models he speaks very specifically to that expectation, right? So if we start trying to talk about winning when a kid's 10 or 12 years old, we're way down the wrong track, right. okay? Because there's, you know, if you start looking at, at, the, at the modeling around that, you know, the, you, know, you start talking about, act, you know, active start, you know, train to train, train, you know, learn, learn to train, train to compete, train to win. And so the winning doesn't even come in the conversation until kids are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, right? But the problem is if we, we've got a generation of, of kids in this country that, that run around 
they get an early start, they start kind of playing golf, they win a bunch of tournaments, and they think that winning is what it's all about. Right. And what it's about, it's about mastery. It's not about winning. Yeah. The whole idea is about trying to master your craft, right. and winning shouldn't even be in a discussion until they're 19 or 20 years old, until they've got a full enough skill set to be able to even consider talking about that. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, you get these kids that, have, that win these tournaments, they focus on winning, but they don't have the skill set to be able to kind of endure puberty, right. you know, and, and the next set of things that they're, they're going to be, that they have to kind of face. Yeah. And I think golf is different than any other sport in that when you watch sports on TV on the weekend, you watch a hockey game or a soccer game or a football game, you're watching two teams compete and there's a winner. When you watch golf, you're only watching the guys that are winning and that's it. You don't see anything else. And so we have, this is sort of built into us kids. They watch golf on the weekend. They see Tiger Woods winning a tournament. And that's what golf is. So let's talk about Tiger. We talk about adversity, right? How much adversity do you think Tiger faced growing up? Huh? It had to be a bunch from his, son, from right. his dad. Right. I mean, well, everything. Every, every time he turned the corner, the kid, the kid was facing something very tough, right? That's right. And everyone assumes that he won everything, and that's that never... But, but you know what you know his dad did a great job of? His dad didn't... He didn't, he didn't try to, to fast-track him. He let him beat up on the twelve-year-olds, and then when yeah, he, you know, then right. and then he kind of let him beat up on the thirteen-year-olds. He he allowed him to be dominant right. over that group of kids that I've, he was competing. I've heard yeah. this, and I don't know that it's remotely true, but like most things on this podcast, but he, but I know that he we was need a big. Fact check. <laughs> we do need a fact checker. Are you it? I think I think the Fox fact checker is here, but uh, I think, but like he was big on that he won everything in his age group in his area before he moved on. Correct, and so and I tell parents that all the time. They're always like, "My kid's got to start playing AJGA," and I was like, "Your kid, so the, the worst kid hadn't finished work better than twelve. The worst idea in in, in youth sport is fast tracking. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst idea. Okay, let's let's talk about Michelle Wee for a second. Fast track, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now Michelle Wee was the best female golfer to come out of our country in 50 years. Right? Now, so instead of letting her just go up and beat up on all the 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds and become great and learn how to win at every level. Which would have been fun for her. We fast-tracked her and, they, they, and, and we put her up against not only the women, we made her compete against the men. Yeah, that's right. You know? And so, How bad was that for development? And so at 16 years old, they asked her a question, said, what are your goals? She goes, I'm going to win the men's masters. Yeah. I said, you're going to do what? I said, that is just, that is so skewed. Yeah. But what, what happens to that girl if, we, if, if you let her beat up on the 12-year-olds and the 14-year-olds and the 15-year-olds and, and be dominant at every level and know how to win at every level? By the time she gets the tour, guess what? Who's going to beat her? Yeah. Nobody. Right? And Tiger's dad did a good job with that. The Williams sisters from tennis did a great job with that. And I think if, if anybody listening to this podcast from a developmental perspective, do not fast track your kids. That's the worst thing you can do, right? Would you agree, Doc? Yeah, I, I, could, I could not agree more. And, and I think golf is so much different than any other sport for that reason that you could have a really good career and not be or not be the best Correct. right and, and there's nothing there's no other sport like that and i think that's that's where especially parents who don't maybe understand the game as much miss out on this understanding that there's a lot more to it than just winning yeah so you know, longevity being able to kind of play for a long period of time enjoy enjoyment enjoyment of the game right those, those yeah. are all things that those are all things that we that yeah. we want to you know that that we they get lost right, right. In, in, the, in the in the pursuit of excellence the pursuit of winning the pursuit of perfection whatever it is that we pursue sure. right yeah and i run into this a lot and this is something that's hard to beat into the heads of high performers is that 
Most people assume that you have to win something to be happy. Right? Once I succeed, then I'll be happy. Or once I win, then I'll feel fulfilled. And Tony and I have talked about this before. I believe that if you find fulfillment prior to achieving something, well, then the results don't matter as much anymore. And then usually good things happen. I found that in teaching also. Like when you become, when you, you're happier with yourself and everything going on yep. and where you are and not to get personal or whatever, but like in teaching and where you are and what you're teaching, if you're happier with that, then you don't hang and die on how everybody so plays the, every week. You're the, like, the problem we find is the culture that. doesn't support that. No, it doesn't. The, the culture says win, 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 right? Yeah. Or I mean, business. Can, can, can you imagine, can you imagine the idea of having a, an eight or nine year old national champion? And the no. damage that does to those kids? No way. No right? way. Yeah, so right. most, a lot of the countries around the world, the really good golf development countries, they won't let even kids even even compete at, at that level until they get past puberty. Right. right? Yeah. Because, because until you get past puberty, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah, I agree. They don't have... And again, that, that's sort of a next level concept. But this idea that we just kick our happiness and fulfillment down the road until we achieve something. And then the worst part is then actually when we do achieve something, we realize, well, the happiness we expected isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. So, so Doc, how, I ask you, I'm just going to pose this question to you, right? How do we, how do we disrupt that culture? I mean, what, I mean, it, because it's, it's a big lift. Every time I turn around, I'm, I'm facing that conversation with the parent, right? Yeah. And the hardest thing, or I guess the only thing we can do is, well, one is I'm not a big believer in setting goals because that's what sets up people for failure. Well, let's look short term. Let's how, what are you going to do tomorrow? That's going to make you feel good. What if you can set high goals, but manage failures like when you don't meet those expectations? Like if you have the, the goal setting thing could be a whole different. In my opinion, is that like everyone's got the same goals. We don't need right. to set them in stone. Like we want to win, we want to be successful. Like I mean, what kid goes out there and says, "I want to be a loser"? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, or I want mean, to, or I want to feel yeah, fulfilled. Or, or like what kid goes, like, "I don't really care about." It. Yeah, you can set a goal and just throw it away, and then what do I got to do every day to get to? Yeah, it's what what's it gonna? What are you gonna do to get to this? goal and, like, and who all, do I need to become different? yeah and but then you have a new issue that most people think it's I have to work hard you, we talked about this before I gotta go hit 700 balls a day well that's not necessarily the case it, I, I shook Rick's, Rick's hand away he's got calluses on his hand he hits a lot of golf balls okay? yeah all right. Here's a I've kid actually played three rounds of golf. <laughs> I understand that, but, but prior, but prior uh, to that, I mean, you've obviously sure. hit a bunch of golf balls, right? Yeah, but the, so those are... So it, Emilio's it, one. I've worked with Emilio a while. Let's shift it over here to Emilio for a second. But like Emilio's one where when we he first moved here to St. Simons, and from his culture, from Mexico, hard-ass worker, comes from a small school, everything is about like... He's got to be out there working hard every day, grinding all day, or he's right. Yeah. And we've had a bunch of talks, as you know, especially the last few weeks, about how important it is to one have his practice a little more structured, to where he's just not beating himself up. But also, like we were texting back and forth about his schedule, and it's like, well, I'm tired. Is it okay that I want to go play? I want to not play a tournament, but I want to go have fun, right? Like, and that's. Yeah. And we're talking about the Jingle Bell, which is a major, but still, like, I mean, and, but, but, like, but, but it's a serious question, though, like, like, just because the goal is, oh, I got to get on tour and I've got Latin status, I've got to be doing this. Whereas he, he, he actually is asking me, and I'm not putting him on the spot, but he's almost like, is it okay that I don't want to go play this golf tournament? And we see that out of kids, too. 
all the time. Like, is it okay that I don't want to go play a golf tournament? Yeah. Yes. If you don't want to play, you shouldn't go. Correct. No way. But is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, I just played so much towards the end of the summer till like towards Q school and then I didn't get through second stage and then just to have something to play on I had to play the Why line. did you play a lot? Did you think you had to? No, I wanted to and it's a it's a tour that I'm familiar with and I just like how it's ran and the golf courses I know some of them and just to to have something towards the, the fall I mean the spring and the summer but yeah, uh, I did it because Why'd you play so much at the end of the summer coming into Q school? Because I was playing it and wanted to make some money. Nothing wrong with De Niro. <laughs> that, that's my Spanish for the night. Did I do that right? Yeah. That's well done. Hold on, I'm going back over to you, Kevin. I think kind of going back to it, though, ultimately, I'm, you know, I think you start kind of looking at, you know, the discussion around goals. I do, I do think that kind of looking at the people that I've watched that have succeeded at a high level, may not have goals, but they're very intentional. Okay, they understand, okay, here's a spectrum of possibility, right? They have the capacity to focus on, this is the specific outcome that I want. They focus on it and relentlessly wake up every day and work towards that, okay? It's a mastery of that one intention, right? And so, in the coaching that I do, I do think that, that we, and I, and I think, you know, as we start kind of looking at whether you're a player or a coach or whatever, I, I think the idea of uh, being intentional with your work is really, really important. Because otherwise, you can go anywhere, right? Anything can happen. Well, here's a question. So, everybody starts out with goals. Sometimes I think you work hard and you don't reach the goals. I'm going to use Rick here. Rick, didn't, the year didn't finish up the way you wanted, right? Didn't play as good as you wanted. But like, I felt like we did a bunch of good work. That's the hard part as a coach sometimes. It's like you feel like you did some good stuff made the US Open, played played pretty nice there, did a lot of good things, but like, you know, if you're only based on like expectations and goals, like if you don't do some things, you feel like the whole year was a total wash. Here, here's could. one, here's yeah. one of the things that Doc and I were talking about earlier today, right? So this is, you know, personal for me because my understanding of, or my thought of what good was was skewed, right? right. So if you're going to have goals, they have to be based on something, right? So that's where statistics, you know, stats and analytics come into play. We can actually now define what good really is, right? So, for example, with me, I thought that, you know, you should, you know, you should be able to hit the golf ball in the, in the fairway 90% of the time and 90% of the greens and 90% up and down. The truth of the matter is world class is 70%. That's the yeah. best of the best, right? right? And so if your expectations are not matched up with the reality of the of what you're dealing with, you're setting yourself up for failure to begin with, right? right? Well, and this is why golf is tricky too. It's like, so say you set out to hit 70% of the fairways or 70% of the greens and you fail 90% of the time, but the two times you do, you win major events. Is that success? Or what, what's your marker for success? So I think it has to do with, you know, the idea of understanding that, okay, when I do that, I succeed. Right, right, and the that's attempt, right. The attempt of mastery towards that right. seems to be kind of in constructing your your, your training programs around that. And, and the other thing we were talking about that you were talking about earlier was the idea of the neural accumulation of work over time 
at some point in time you're gonna wake up and you're gonna feel like I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So how do you how do you balance the, the work and rest, right? That, yeah, that's true. the other that's the other big thing, right? Yeah. So I think we're learning more about recovery now, and I think the next big steps in, in coaching, in my mind, are gonna be about managing the neural component. The recovery, the workloads, the recovery, and, and helping athletes understand that you know, in, in our culture, we believe that the harder we work, the more we get. Right. That's what they tell you in business. That's and right. Time so, but, is money. But the truth of the matter is, athletes can only get about five hours, five really good hours out of themselves each day before they, before the next day when they show up, they're nearly compromised. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's science. You cannot like that. But now, when I was when I was playing, I would practice eight hours a day. And I wonder why I wake up at some point in time and all of a sudden I just, no matter how hard I try, I couldn't get out of my body. That's right. Yeah. Neurally, fatigue cannot operate. Nervous system is not going to do it. We've joked about this before and talk about guys pay me to tell them to do nothing. They need you to be told to do nothing. But it is the hardest thing for golfers to you do. You've got to move a golf ball or something. <laughs> but the cool, the, the cool thing is we're at a point now we have science to support it, right? So our job as coaches, I think, is to, is to, is to inform these young players that, hey, you got yeah. five hours a day. Yeah. Get it done. Then go rest. Go do something else, right? And so you're fully recovered. So the next day when you come out there, you can give it all. You can yeah. give it that another good five hours. Right? Well, I'm big, I'm big. You know this. Like I like ball counts. Ball I counts like guys fantastic. to go out and say, I'm gonna go do 20 balls of this, Perfect. real super structured. I'm gonna go do 20 balls doing this. I'm gonna go do 18 pitch shots. You know, from different lies, get them up and down, or whatever the deal is, and be done. And I think too, also that athletes are structured. Everybody's, but we're all we're goal oriented. And if you go in with a goal and a task, and you accomplish that task, you feel something. When you just go and you dump a bunch of golf balls, and I don't know that you ever feel like you accomplished them. No. This gets back to that same idea. And this look. Two teachers here. Would you agree that you can't outwork someone in golf anymore? Like it doesn't that doesn't exist anymore. I agree with that. I think you know if you go back and looked at like the modeling that was put forth, Ben Hogan was a yeah outworked everybody. BJ Tiger, Tom Kite, all these Tom guys. Tom Kite outdid yeah. everybody. Nick Faldo. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a group there's right. a, there's an era where that was what what they believed was was it. You could That's be right. talented or you could work hard. So, but I, but I think we're I think we're in a new era. It's gone. I think I think I think, I think we're I think yeah. we know more, right? right. And, and that those guys were doing what they thought were the best, and those were the best of the best at that mm-hmm. time, right? And so That's true. everybody followed that model. Right. But I do think we're at a time now where we where we know more. Yeah. We understand that. Okay, gosh, maybe there's a limit, and each player's probably got an individual limit. Yeah. And what if you told kids, hey? If you enjoy going to hit balls, if you think it's a guarantee to beat to win tournaments, you're doing the wrong thing, and it's hard. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the one thing for certain, Doc, is golf is hard. You see, you've got that that's my right. Favorite, right? <laughs> my favorite quote: "Golf is hard," yeah. and most people, and, and that's it's true, in that most people don't understand what that actually means. So, the, one, the really famous book from the so what does it mean? Well, one is that most people's expectations of where they should be are off and when you fail to meet your expectations you suffer and then you're going to end up quitting the game but the, but the problem is, is or burnout but i think that is i think part of our job is also to help these young players understand the spirit of competition is to understand that i need to go out and push against other people like if i'm going to be great mm-hmm. i have to go have somebody to push against right right because i won't push i won't push myself hard enough by myself, right? Right. So once a what you know, once a week on the tour, the guys agree to get together and they all push against each other. Right? Yeah. And at the end, there's one guy that, that outperforms everybody. We yeah. should all celebrate that every time. 
totally right yeah everybody else has played that tournament has has the they've learned they, they've got an opportunity to kind of go home and think about okay I, there's something that I need to do to get better, right? right? So everybody wins. There's no losing here, right? Like, right. And we're, we're, we're also we're also afraid of so afraid of failure. It's not failing. It's learning. But it like is. Rick, Rick, That's we right. were talking about his getting a place or spending time in South Florida, saying that about the opportunity to spend more time around a bunch of good players. Yeah, well, I think that's and then how like had a great time in Nashville. It's an awesome place, cool yeah. city, but like probably wasn't as conducive for development. What do you think about that? Well, the difference between my first four years as a pro and the last three living in Nashville, it's like living in St. Simons down here every day is a money game. You're playing against somebody else. You lose your money game, you get pissed off, you say, I got to work harder, I got to do this, whatever. But you're every day, you're being, you're, everybody's throwing a score down. You're getting measured against other great players every day. When I was in Nashville, I was just basically with myself. There's a couple other guys I can play with here and there, but they're not always in town. It's, I just don't think I've gotten any better in that aspect. It's It's been a, a tough thing for me. So how would that translate continue. when you showed up to events? Did you feel unprepared? Did you feel like the edge was off or, or you didn't have the edge? I just, don't, I just don't think that... You weren't pushing yourself. I mean, when I'm playing against amateurs at my club, I mean, we're still yeah. playing for money, but it's just not it's at the same, same level. You can shoot eight. Even if they're getting shots, it's just still yeah. not the same. Right. You, you show up to a tournament, it's it's not like you in your mind you may feel prepared, but you're really not because you're not pushing yourself to play right. against this, the best competition you can play against. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's there's no better way in the world to get better golf than gambling. Right. You took playing for something that matters to you every yeah. day. And it, if you lose, it stings a little bit. And if you win, you, you feel that success and you feel... I think the more you gamble for it, too, this will shock you an Italian talking about gambling. But I think where it's if I think if you can gamble for an amount that makes you uncomfortable, yeah, like and it has to hurt when you lose. So, like if you and I went and played and we both played for ten bucks, I mean we're both competitive. I mean I wouldn't want to lose, but in the end, like on fifteen, okay, so it's ten bucks, right? But if we were going to play and you were like, T, I want to play for a thousand. But like, yeah, in your head, you can't rash. Like, you can say, all right, it sucks that I lost, but or whatever, it's 10 bucks. But when you lose a thousand, yeah. you're going to be pissed about that. Right. Like, like, where we win, you'll be pissed about that for two Where weeks. if we win, and I have my Zexio driver, and you said, hey, we're going to play for a thousand. I'm going to give you four, five aside. You're going to get to play up two sets of T's, and it's going to be fair. I mean, I'd be into it. Yeah, it's got to get your attention. See how I'm getting that jingle bell practice round yeah, bet? Exactly. <laughs> we already said to see that. But it's true, though. I think yeah, I mean, that if, that, it, like, if it doesn't lose when you sting, you're not playing for it. Thank you. I think that, you know, oh, the, you know, having an environment set up where when you don't you get to where you want to go, there's some pain involved. Right? Yeah, there should be. Like, we'd have, I had, I'll never forget, I had kids on my team in, in college. Thank so, you. Like, I was generally pretty, most of the time, exempt for tournaments, so I never had to qualify. But Was that good for you? It was terrible. Qualifying for college events is the hardest, it's harder my, than the events. My coach would say, oh, go go practice, and I'd say, I want to play. Like, I want to play. The hardest event in the world is second stage tour school of the finals. Yeah. That's the hardest golf event in the world. Yeah. But we'd That's have right. kids on our team that would say, oh, I'm working on something. It's like, 
Well, if you mean you're working on something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pardon my French, but like, no, we're, no. All, we're all working on something. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You need to show up and compete. Right. Does that make you special because you're working on something? So. Yeah. No question about it. So, and so, I've known, and look, Georgia, I've never taught him. Well, I taught one kid at the University of Georgia, but look how many tour players they turn out. Oh, yeah, that's correct. I don't know firsthand. But I know Coach Hat, all he does is make their ass qualify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coach right. kids at Alabama and all that. I mean, and you got a bunch of high-ranked guys. Talk to them like they make them exempt during qualifying so, because they want their best five. So that may be better for the team at that point, but is it better for the long term? So Dave, for the Dave Williams and the University of Houston won a zillion. A zip, 17 national championships or something? Some shit and what he would do, he's, he would recruit every kid that he could get to kind of come in there, and every day, those kids went out and qualified. Every day. Yeah. Right? So, Jim now, exactly right. Well, I mean, you know, and so, and so all those kids did was pushed against each other, right? Mm-hmm. And there was there was a group that were better, right? There's Freddie Couples sure. and all these superstars, right? But everybody in that system got better because they were pushing. They had to, they had to they go out there every day and push against off. each other, right? Mm-hmm. There was not a day off, right? Right, so you know that that's what the tour is about. That's what the developmental tour is about, you know. And I do think you know it's you know us building, finding a way to build that into kind of our, our training at some point in time. I mean, there needs to be you know some developmental time and some off-season time, and it's it's not appropriate for probably an eight-year-old. But as they start kind of getting to where they want to try to compete at a super high level, I think that that's a factor that has to be there. Yeah, and like when I first moved down here. We'd work out with Randy Myers. We'd have five of us in the gym. And like, I want to do that. I want to lift more than that guy's lifted. Right. You're looking over there. You're over there. I want to do this workout better than that guy's doing. Right, right. You know, so. Yeah, there's something to that. So we're sitting here at a table. We got three coaches. We got a sports psychologist, and we got a couple of players, right? And so we're getting ready to kind of move into the holiday season, right? So. It'd be interesting to hear maybe one, each each person at the table maybe kind of have one thing that they want to kind of offer up kind of as, as they kind of get to the end of the year. The one thing they've learned this year that wow. they want to kind of share. Kevin's going to have his own podcast by the end of this session. So, Tony, you go. No, you start. I'm starting. Because <laughs> okay. I'm still, I'm going to be deep. All right. So, I, th- I think for me, the one thing that I've, that I'm, the thing that I'm learning, I, I continue to kind of learn, and I'm learning a lot about, is this idea of how to balance the work and the rest? It's it's, it's high, I'm super high on my radar. Okay, so how do I, how do we focus on making sure we get the right amount of work, get the high quality work, but also get enough rest to off balance that? And, I, and I, the thing that I'm trying to learn more about and, and share with the people that I'm working with is that work, the rest is 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 just as important as the work, mm-hmm. the, the ability to recover from your work, right? So to your point earlier today, talking about I got to the end of, this, end of the summer, I'm like, is it okay for me to take time off? Yes, it's okay, okay. And if you and you have to kind of build those build those breaks, and so that's that's my big learning for this year. So, um, I think for me, that's a point that Doc has talked about in one of the other podcasts you guys did recently, where you talk about if you're not happy, you're probably not going to play well. And that it reminded me of something when I was a rookie on the PJ Tour. I mean, I'm out there living my dream, doing what I want to do. I was miserable for the whole year. It just wasn't any fun. I had a couple good weeks here and there where, like, things kind of matched up and I just played good golf. But I'd be sitting in my hotel room on a Tuesday night thinking about, all right, well, how do, what do I got to do to play good this week? And it's like, that's 48 hours away. And the tournament hadn't even started. I'm already worried about it. Like, it's just... If you're not happy, you're just not going to 
outperform. You're in the majority. Yeah. That's why you're going to get better, though. Jackson, what have you learned now that you have permission to sue? Talk is cheap and loyalty is rare. Whoa. That's another old podcast. Yeah. But I, th- but I, but. Why you don't get permission hit- slip sign? <laughs> but it hit, both of those hit home for me this year. Awesome. And I think I am not exempt from either of those. I think I have talked and I have not shown loyalty. So I think seeing it reflect in my own life has definitely taught me that lesson. Newcomer to the crowd from Texas Tech, Red Raider. Uh, for Were me, you there when Bobby Knight was there at all? No, that was past. Uh, he, he was there go- like playing golf. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> like 20 years ago. <laughs> Did he throw a cherry? Or- <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was. He actually hit balls at the at the hitting bay of our, of our team, and like one one time we just heard this like ball against the wall in the hitting bay. So he was he was throwing some stuff over there. Either 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 his club was a shank, one two. One of the two. Probably probably the latter. Go ahead. What would you? Uh, for me, this year has been uh, a, a lot of improvement. Like you guys were saying, like Rick was saying, I went back to Colombia and I lived there after I got done with college and I got to a point where, you know, I didn't have anybody to play with. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I decided to move here to Jacksonville. And like he said, you know, there's money games, there's a lot of stuff. And, and that has really helped my game this year. And then I've learned a lot of things, you know. I've, I've tried to learn how my body feels and how my body performs under pressure and what my tendencies are. So I've, I've been working on that too and, and managing the, the rest and the and playing is also a big thing because, I mean, I got done with final stage last week and, and you know, I had this Monday today and I'll, on Monday I didn't do any or Tuesday I didn't do anything but Wednesday I was out there and I felt like I needed another day but I was out there just because I felt that that was the right thing to do and like at the end of the week on Friday Saturday I felt so bad you know like my body wasn't feeling right so I didn't do anything on Saturday I took a day off but felt a little better so yeah I think I think that's also one of the, one of the other things I've learned uh, for me, it's been way too many things. My first year of professional golf was uh, was really uh, humbling because I learned a lot more than I thought I had to learn. It was really good. And yeah, exactly. And that's really exciting to see, too. But yeah, it, it really opened my eyes, and it was great in that aspect. But couple of things that I really picked up on was uh, something that we spoke about. Uh, it was more than anything that I'm allowed to have fun once in a while, just because, uh, I mean, our careers takes a lot out of us, you know, a lot of our time. And that little other time that we have left in off weeks or whatever, uh, we shouldn't engage all of our time into work, you know? And that's something huge for me. Correct, yeah. Like, as soon as I turned pro, like, I was practicing insane amount of hours. And the funny thing is, is I wasn't performing nearly as my best. And as soon as I, like, kind of let it go a little bit and, like, actually started learning and listening to my body a little more, it kind of switched off and things started going a little bit better, obviously. And, I mean, I'm really looking forward to 
like the rest of my journey, but just excited to keep learning a bunch. That's awesome. Yeah. Greg? No, uh, I'm with Kevin and, and some of the other stuff that people said is this idea of less is more, and, and that's a battle we're going to fight now because the old culture was that the more time we put into something, the better we're going to get. And I think for, to ask yourself the question for yourself, what does it mean to be happier and what does it mean to get better? And find your answers there. And I think most people would say, well, it's, it's a little bit more balance, right? And that, that sort of coincides with what we think we need to do to get better. We need to work all the time. So it's awesome. So I think this year for me was a big year of change. I learned one to not spend it with douchebags. It's number one, and only spend your time with people that appreciate and understand what you're doing and what you're trying to give. And I think as long as you're around those people, I think you're okay. And if you know if it's if people don't get what I'm trying to do or they don't get my vision and they don't they don't understand the value in that well then they're not worth spending any time on them anyways and we're also not guaranteed any indefinite amount of time being here so you know that's that why you, more than right, anybody so you don't want to be around douchebags so that's it anyways i thought that was good tonight guys yeah good we're stuff. about ready to get some pasta and some chicken and some parm and stuff so we'll catch you next time Thanks for listening to this edition of The Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.